Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Welcome back for another edition of Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders, financial coach at Strategic Planning Corporation. And we are here to finish up our conversation about top Social Security myths. And uh, we did the first five on a prior podcast a couple of weeks ago. Now we're going to do the follow-up five. You don't have to have listened to the prior episode to uh, to listen to these ones as well. But it certainly isn't a bad idea. So if you have not done so, consider going by the website, subscribing to the podcast, and checking out prior episodes at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. Right there on the top of the page, you'll see different uh, little headers for things like Mike Seminars or the podcasting page. Feel free to click on any of those things. There's a lots of good tools and tips and resources at Mike's website. He's been helping folks for 45 plus years get two and three retirement and a great resource for you to tap into. If you're already working with him, you know this. If not, share the message with others who might benefit from it. Again, spcinvesting.com. Mike, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm good. Uh, just uh, thinking here as we were, um, I was listening to the intro about um, last time we uh, talked, you had um, made a comment about Bigfoot in relation <laughs> to uh, Rant, yeah about myths yeah myths. And uh, my wife and I, and and I think you said something about a big bear, and and so it triggered the thought, but I okay. didn't get off into it. But I'll I'll tell you the story now. Sure. Uh, uh, this last week, um, my uh, son-in-law, he was out of town uh, with uh, my wife or with his wife, my daughter and, and the kids uh, in the Grand Canyon. And before he left, a bear had come. Oh, and, you know, we live on some acreage here and he has bees back in the back and the bear came and, and tore him up. And so he had kind of repaired them that day. And I walked back there with him and looked at uh, what we needed to do if anything happened. And uh, he gave me some friends that know beekeeping really well. Well, anyway, the next night, my wife and I are coming back from dinner and we drove by and looked out there. And sure enough, there's a big old black bear standing up on his back legs with his hands around or paws, I guess you call them, around uh, one of the big hive, uh, the supers or whatever you call them. Oh, wow. uh, So I started blowing my horn and, uh, you know, we're probably 300 yards away from 200 yards away from something like that. So we ran to the house, got a a big uh, heavy duty flashlight and... um, uh, siren and we're blowing the horn, blowing the siren, flashing the light all around him. He's just looking at us. His eyes are gleaming. And, uh, you know, he finally just dropped down to all fours and lumbered off into the woods. <laughs> we thought, man, we're bear whispers or bear screamers. There you like go. That. There you go. Yeah. But he came back that night and tore them all up anyway. So, <laughs> oh, he got, oh, he got into the bee, to the, to the uh, beehives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I I saw a story on on that not too long ago. Actually, I, I didn't realize maybe it was the same story. But yeah, yeah. he he went in and tore, got a hold of a whole a whole bunch of beehives. Right, and uh, he was like, "That's good stuff, man." Oh, oh man, yeah. He came back three times while they were gone. And yeah, just uh, we you know we set it back up, and then he come back and tear it back up. He's like, "Why it. climb out on a tree or whatever to try to get that beehive when I can get them out of these boxes?" It's on a table for sure. It's right on a table, right? He's like, "Yeah, he's like." <laughs> He's like, it's going to Hardee's or something, you know? That's right. <laughs> drive through. That's right. <laughs> Bear drive through. Good yeah. stuff. Well, let's let's jump back in, Mike. And, uh, and thanks for telling that story, actually, and tying that back <laughs> into my original uh, myth conversation as well. So that's there good stuff. Go. Good, re- well, well remembered. 
Um, let's jump into number six. We're going to go through six through 10 here on the podcast and talk about some more Social Security myths. Uh, so let's start with you can't work and receive Social Security benefits at the same time. You kind of yep. see that and go, huh? And I think this one, Mike, probably comes from the early pulling Social Security early, like say at 62, mm-hmm. right? Because what happens yeah. is, is there's some financial limitations. You can only work up to a certain amount of money. And maybe right. that's how this myth got started. Yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah, basically, if you are less than the you know, full retirement age, which most people now are uh, at 67 is their full retirement age, although there are still a few of us that it's a little earlier, uh, 66 in a few months, things like that. But uh, assuming you're under 67 and you're drawing Social Security sometime since 62, um, age 62 or whatever, and you can work, you can earn money. Uh, if your earnings are over 20000 and some odd weird amount, they, they can't just do even numbers, of course. Um, then you start losing a dollar of your Social Security benefit for every $2 that you earn above that limit of about $20,000. Yeah, I think it was a 21-2 or something, I think, yeah, for 23. Like yeah. yeah, they move it a little yeah. bit every year. They do. It goes up by an inflation factor. and uh, But once you reach full retirement age, and like I say, most people, that's age 67, then you can make a couple million dollars a year and it don't want to affect your Social Security benefit right. as far as the amount you receive in, in cash. Yeah. So straight up the myth that you can't work and receive is just straight up a myth, right? You can't. Right. You just have to stay within the, the dollar limits. And the year, and there's a weird one that I never really pay attention to. I know that you know if you do it early, like we said, it's like 21 and change or whatever. So basically kind of part-time work, right? So many people retire early. They start pulling Social Security. My brother's going to do this, actually. Uh, He's just going to work part-time so that he stays under that threshold. But the year, uh, I think it's like the year leading up to it, it like goes up to 50-something thousand. Um, that you oh, can, yeah. 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 yeah, but it's only for like the one year and then you hit right. the full retirement age and then after that sky's the limit. Make anything you want. That's yeah. Right. So, all right. So that was myth number six. Myth number seven. This one's a little more interesting. Social security benefits are only for U.S. citizens. At first blush, Mike, this sounds like a, a duh. That seems like that makes sense, right? Right. But there are there are quite a few caveats, actually. Doing a little bit of research on this, I was surprised there's a ton of caveats. Well, I'm so, glad you did some research because I don't know the answer to this one right well, off the top of my head. Well, let me educate you options. for a change, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. do that. <laughs> uh, so there is a few ways that you can do this. And, of course, you can go right to ssa.gov. And we probably should have mentioned that on the prior podcast, Mike, that there's a ton of great resources at ssa.gov. Not to mention you should really probably go and just create your account anyway so you can track your own uh, information. And we're going to talk about that on the last couple of myths, too. So we're going to reinforce that message. But there's a lot of things like if you were lawfully admitted for permanent residence, uh, granted conditional entry, admitted as a refugee or granted asylum, those things kind of qualify. Obviously, if you're a spouse, so like if you married a U.S. citizen and you are not a U.S. citizen, you would still qualify for the spousal. So there's some things like that. There is, uh, for the Native Americans, there are for American Indians born in Canada, actually, they can still qualify. Um, there's lots of little pieces on there. Of course, you still have to have some credits of work. You still have to have some eligibility credits, right? So it's okay. not like you just yeah. get it. Right. Um, you still have to have some eligibility credits. There's a seven-year limit for some non-citizens where SSI will notify those folks that uh, they can get it for up to seven years, and then they're notified when their period starts and when their period ends. So there's, especially if they're under naturalization processing. So there's a ton of stuff to look at there on the SSA, or excuse me, SSI. Uh, well, it's SSA.gov website, but it's SSI. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, gotta, they never make this easy, do they? They got to put all oh, sorts no. of stuff in there. So there are uh, lots of ways, I guess, for non-U.S. citizens to actually collect Social Security. So there you go. Right, right. Yeah. 
And the one that it stuck out to me was yeah, yeah, the one that stuck out to me. The first thing I thought of though was, oh, well, you married someone who's a U.S. citizen, and you're just collecting spousal benefits. Yeah, that's but you know it's interesting that uh, I guess that would be the case. Uh, I hadn't. I have not had a situation to have to look that up. So right, right. Um, you're right. Though, you get, the place to go is uh, ssa.gov and and see what uh, you can find there. Sometimes it's a little uh, overwhelming, confusing. There's some other sources of information. Like I use a, a, a service called Savvy Social Security Planning, uh-huh. and uh, it, it is a wealth of information in plain English. And plus, uh, there's uh, experts that I can just uh, pose a question to anytime I need to know something uh, that's maybe unique or a little odd oddity and uh, they'll come right back with a great answer for me. So yeah, yeah the pl- some resources like that. Yeah. The plain English, that's a key right there. Cause yeah, you're definitely reading anything on a government website does not always do that. Yeah. Uh, it's all the whereas and wherefores and <laughs> however. If, who, yeah. It's like, it's like I'm reading Shakespeare. Wherefore art thou? <laughs> right. All right. So myth number eight, uh, this one's interesting, Mike, if you have a pension, you will not be eligible for Social Security benefits. And again, this sounds like a duh. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, clearly you can do that. But there are, and I was surprised to learn this, there are some caveats. That's right. Uh, there's a thing called GPO or government pension offset where certain people, depending on when they retired and, and their age and all that kind of stuff, how long they work for the government, you um, or maybe you work for an organization that opted out of Social Security, so you didn't pay into Social Security. But on the on the government pension offset, you offset your Social Security benefit by the amount of pension you're getting uh, with a calculation and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's not just like uh, what they used to call double dipping. I guess it's still right. Do. Yeah, uh, it doesn't make you ineligible, but it can affect your benefits, it right? Affect the amount, but yes. it doesn't make you ineligible, right? Right. It, it may make you to the point where it's hardly anything, or it actually. You know, just depending on the amount of the pension, could zero it out, but mm, you're still okay. eligible. It's just subject to the rules with this pension benefit. Yeah, and I think I see, what I've seen was a lot of times you might see this with government entities' yes. jobs. Um, right. You know, so city state workers, state federal. work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was talking with a, an advisor the other day on this, and he was talking about work. He worked with the local uh, fire chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief, the fire chief of the city that they live in, and that he he actually had encountered this. He he wasn't aware of it before working with this individual as well. So he had to do some research, and and kind of figure out how this you know this whole thing played into it. When he was doing oh, yeah. his his planning, he's like, oh okay, so we don't have social security because the number was so high that it yeah to your point it lowered it down to zero. Right, but but in some circumstances, like for instance, I have clients that are military uh, veterans. And they uh, retired with a pension. They're getting their pension, and they're getting their full Social Security benefit on top of that because they worked outside of the military. Right. Another caveat, if you did have one of these jobs, but then you wound up working 10 years to do the eligibility someplace else, then, yes, you still could have both. You still could have that, too. Yeah. So a lot of little loopholes, for sure. There are. Uh, sure. so to, but you can see, again, where the myth kind of spawns from that, right? So somebody mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, first, you know, heard about like the one of these government jobs where they didn't pay into Social Security, so they therefore they didn't get it, but, but they still had a pension. And they were like, oh, well, if you have a pension, you can't get Social Security. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> there's, there's, it's very specific and unique situations. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Not every person that has a pension is just straight out 
like not going to get Social Security. So right, right. Okay, myth number nine, and again we're saving nine and ten, just like we did five and six or four and five on the last one. It's kind of some of the big ones that I think most people encounter. So myth number nine, Mike: Social Security benefits are based on your income and assets. This one's a weird one, but I think people sometimes still feel that this is the case. And and I mentioned earlier we were going to talk about means testing. Currently, it is not means tested. It is one of the things that they are considering on how to keep Social Security floating and doing well or whatever is means testing folks who make maybe too much money, right? Or a lot of money or whatever the case is. But it's not based on your eligibility. It's based on your work history. So, Mike, if you have a $5 million house and I have a million-dollar house and we both make the same amount of money, it doesn't mean you're going to get more Social Security than I am just because your house is worth more. They did go to some sort of means testing where they say if you have so so much money on your tax return that you're reporting as earnings from either investments, from uh, continued work, and plus your Social Security, that you're going to reduce your Social Security benefit to some level because of the uh, based on the amount of income you've got. But you may be living in that $5 million house. That's not going to have any impact on it at all in right. any of the discussions that have been had or the current circumstance. So, yeah, the assets don't have anything to do with it per se, other than they might generate income if it's a $5 million IRA or investment that's, account. That's different, it, right. Yeah, maybe that, but it's the income part that comes off of it that, that causes the uh, adjustment. The... Um, Way that you calculate your your benefit is is based on your income and it's your income over thirty five yep. years of highest years of earnings. So, like I've worked, I don't know, fifty years or more, something like that, since I was fifteen. I think it was my first job. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, I I, I uh, have that much, but only the top thirty five years adjusted for inflation are used to calculate my benefits. So, you know, I'm in my highest earning years as I'm later, sure, right? Right. Later That's on, how most of us are, right? Yes, yeah, we uh, go through our careers. And so, you know, so we're knocking out some of those uh, grass cutting years. I was going to say the, 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 working at, the working at the Wendy's, right? Yeah, or yeah right. Yeah, right. working there. Uh, some of those years are coming off of that calculation. And um, so it's, it bumps, you might see your benefit if you check it periodically, you see it bump up a little faster than you would think. And that's just because you're knocking off some other years as you book more years in the system. And uh, so you take those 35 years, you adjust them for inflation over that time, and then you um, uh, average amount and it gets what's called your primary insurance amount. And that's how you start calculating that benefit. Yeah, and that actually walks me right into myth number 10, which is that your Social Security benefits are based on the last uh, job's salary. Uh, and that's okay that you brought that up. So, And I think this one's also getting mixed with pensions, too, because there are some times where pensions are adjusted based on maybe the last, last three years, years, right, or something like that. Um, yeah. But Social Security does not work that way. It, to your point, you just kind of highlighted how it does work. And there's some interesting pieces to that 35 years, Mike. And that's what we mentioned earlier, going to ssa.gov. Make sure your numbers look right because there's a right. lot. If you've moved jobs a lot, make sure people are human, right? Make sure the reporting was done correctly so those numbers do translate right. Because I, I learned yesterday that let's say you didn't work for 35 years. Well, they still they still take that number times 35, Oh yeah, that's you just have zeros in the number. Like yeah, the you have zeros there. Years, yeah, zeros in the calculation. And, and so maybe a strategy, Mike, that might be for some retirees is I'm looking at retiring early. Let's say taking it early at 62. Well, maybe a good move is to take that part-time job, making up to that 21,000 we talked about for the limitations, because mm-hmm. that might help you fill in some zeros. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's lots of different, again, lots of strategy that can go into being effective and maximized with your Social Security strategy. That's right. 
That's right. It's all about just being aware of what your situation is, where you're at in the process, um, and and then strategize to maximize your benefit. Yeah. You know, so that 35-year thing, it catches a lot of people by surprise. So you want to certainly make sure that you're checking that. And to your point, right, we, we want to try to hopefully eliminate some of those early grass-cutting uh, jobs, right? This job when right. you were 16 or whatever, very long time ago. But of it is probably none of us were paying in our social security taxes on those grass. Well, the grass cutting job, no, that's why I threw in the Wendy's or whatever. <laughs> the Wendy's or the Hardys, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever fast food or retail job you might have had first thing. Yep. Or at, at a place, my, my mom likes to talk, her first job was at a little uh, local food place called the Toot and Tell It in, uh, Rich <laughs> La- in Richlands, North Carolina. There and I was go. like, was the, was the food really gassy? What? And she's like, no, you pulled up and you toot, you know, you honk your horn. I was like, right. oh, okay. I'm actually aware of that place. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. That was actually owned by her uncle, actually. So, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah so she got cool. her first job at 16. Her uncle hired her to, uh-huh. to be a, to be a car hop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Back in the fifties. So be, you, be able to skate. That's right. Yeah. She, yeah. She skated apparently right into another car and put a dent in it. So she wasn't a great skater. Apparently she didn't, she didn't, she didn't stay on the car hop long. She went to something. She went to cashier after that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Safer. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, those are those are the 10 myths over the last two episodes. We were talking about Social Security myths, lots of them, lots of little caveats inside Social Security and the rules. And, and so it's really important to be working with a financial professional who can help you kind of navigate the things that you need to do for your unique situation. Uh, some of these won't apply to some folks and some of these do, right? So it's all depending on your situation. And that's where Mike comes in. So Strategic Planning Corporation is the name of the company. You can find them online at spcinvesting.com. That's SP pcinvesting.com. Get yourself onto the calendar if you're not already working with Mike and have some questions, need some help. Uh, at the website, at the top of the page, you can click on the little thing, link there for uh, having a chat with Mike. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple or Google or Spotify. You can also find that on the website on the podcast page. Mike, my friend, thanks for hanging out. It's always fun talking with you. I look forward to catching you in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. I uh, hope everyone has a couple of good weeks in the books. Yeah, enjoy some sunshine finally. Maybe maybe it's finally here to stay, so we'll see. We'll catch you next time here on the podcast. This has been Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.